0: You're listening to the Take Your Shot podcast, a podcast for wedding photographers and videographers looking to grow and scale their business. I'm your host Hallie Heather, and my goal is for you to walk away feeling empowered and inspired as you continue to build a business that you're passionate about and that serves both you and your clients well. So, whether you're operating as a side hustle or you're looking for tips and tricks on how to improve and scale your business, you, my friend, are in the right place. You don't have to figure it all out on your own, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Take Your Shot podcast. You guys, today I have an amazing guest. Her name is Janine Kusaya. And Janine is someone who has spent years in photography. She has a background in going to photography school. And before that, she's done medical sales and has just so much of a wealth of knowledge. And today I'm really excited for her to talk a lot about her portrait business. And if you're a wedding photographer, you want to tune in for sure, because she's going to dive into what adding a adding on to your portrait side of your business can do for you in terms of diversifying your revenue stream and also hopefully helping you build your business. So today I'm really excited and Janine, so happy to have you today. Do you mind just introducing yourselves?
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and I have a portrait photography studio. I really only do portraits and it's taken me some time to kind of figure out where I wanted to niche and focus, but Really, my main focus is on pregnant women because that was just like a natural place to see my portrait business grow. So yeah, my focus is between that window between pregnancy and young family. So I do a little bit with babies. I don't really consider myself a full-blown newborn photographer. There was a time that I did that with the posing, but it just didn't really, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. So yeah, that's my focus. I have a baby plan, which is really kind of what keeps my My clients coming back with very little additional marketing spend, so it's been working really well for me.
0: So, Janine, you have built such a successful photography business for yourself over the years, and I would love to hear a little bit more about what did it look like going from transferring from sales and business to going to photography school to now building this business that you now are thriving in.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest difference for me was this was the first time I actually built my own business, so you know I have to be the one who's accountable for myself, for my time, getting things done. So that's a a big difference. But I also, it's like a little bit of a double-edged sword when you have the freedom that I was looking for, is that you have the freedom to not get the stuff done if you want to. (laughs) So it's just like over the years, it's been like finding ways to get myself back on track. And then also kind of going back to what my goals are. I always try to lead with my goals of my personal life and build my business around that. So yeah, I approached it in a different way that photography school ended up going out of business. So a big part of what I came to the realization was that there's a lot of really high quality online education out there that if I'm being honest, I learned more through Those avenues than I did when I was in the brick and mortar photography school. So, you know, it's been a process like it is for all of us, but I consider myself someone who's always learning. There's never a shortage of things they can still continue to learn, whether it's business or photography related.
0: Totally. And especially when you're running your own business, it can be so isolating at times. And so Mm -hmm. to find like online communities or, you know, invest in education and just always be learning. If you're not learning, you're not really going anywhere, (laughs) in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And so I think that's really cool that you've like really early on saw that as an opportunity and really took that on because it really seemed to serve you well in your business. And so, yeah, that's really cool.
1: Yeah. And it's also like my business has been established for probably over 10 years now. I kind of lose track. But one thing in, you know, in a way that's a relatively short time, but I see that things are always changing, whether it's trends are changing or technology is changing or people's buying habits are changing, like all of those things, like if you don't adapt or pay attention to what's going on, you're you're going to fail. So, you know, having just a natural curiosity about those things, I think is really a healthy way to approach business and photography in general.
0: Totally, totally. I could not agree more. One thing I would love to pick your brain about while we have you here today is to mm-hmm. just talk a little bit about specifically portrait sales. So a mm-hmm. lot of people listening, maybe they're photographers who maybe don't actually take time to do portraits because it's not worth their time. Maybe they're just doing yeah. quick and easy like mini sessions or low <laughs> low offers and stuff like that. I also know a lot of people who maybe don't deliver or offer printed products. And I know that those are two things that you do really well. You do portrait sessions and you do offer different products. That can be really intimidating for a lot of people. I was hoping that we could today talk a little bit more about what that looks like in your business and like maybe some advice you would have for photographers who are looking at how can they increase their revenue and their business in those areas.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's great. Something that I have observed with a lot of wedding photographers is they kind of have their business locked down or their processes locked down and their like that's working for them, especially successful wedding photographers, that's working for them. So they're kind of maybe a little one-track mind on the wedding side of things and don't realize that, you know, a lot of people, once they get married, go on to have families. So, I mean, to me, when I'm looking at it as an outsider, I'm like, whoa, that is such like a golden opportunity that you have this established business that's going to continue to, essentially provide more people for you to photograph, which is like just a natural market growth. But what I see is a lot of people are kind of like, nope, I'm just doing weddings. And you know, like we get a lot of messaging about niching and and there's validity to that. But what I see as sort of like an outside observer is it's not really that hard to take people that are interested in, in portraits and create a part of your business that just I guess is really like respected as an actual revenue generating stream for your business instead of it being like, okay, I'm focusing on the weddings, this is my business for that, and then everything else is gonna be shoot and burn for a couple hundred dollars. Because the reality is like that's that's fast and easy cash. And so, you know, there's in some ways nothing wrong with that, but I do think that you are sort of missing out on opportunities for additional revenue. And the biggest thing is when I'm looking at a wedding versus portraits, I think of a wedding as like, let's say five to $10,000. That's like a, a big chunk of change, right? And so I see that you'd have like the motivation to go and get those five to $10,000 sales. But when I look at a portrait session, I, I look at it as like the analogy of like having all of your eggs in one basket. I look at portrait sessions as like, little eggs that you can put in your basket. And if somebody decides that maybe they don't want to spend as much, that's fine because you have five other eggs in your basket. And one of those might decide that they want to spend a lot. Whereas with weddings, it's a little bit more like, are they or aren't they going to spend that chunk? So I feel like it's a way to sort of diversify your risk a little bit as far as your time. So your time is something that's valuable. So as you're um, having people approach you to hire you, I just look at it as being a little bit less risky with portraits, but then you, know, you just have a lot more flexibility to as far as timing. So most weddings are happening on the weekends. Portraits can happen any day of the week. It's just like how you want to structure your business.
0: That's really cool. And I think especially for photographers, I know so many who get burnt out on weekends and they don't even have the capacity or even ability to think through, I can't even add right now more sessions because i'm already burnt Mm -hmm. out and so to kind of diversify oh if you actually take on more sessions you might Mm -hmm. actually not have to do as many weddings which then kind of gives you more balance so i think what you're saying there is really cool now speaking to the photographer out there who like they've gone all in with weddings that's kind of where their bread and butter is at and then kind of with the whole okay we just do a couple hundred dollars on sessions because they don't really want to think about building that Mm -hmm. part of their business what would you say are some of the first steps that they should take in terms of actually building their portrait side of their business? Like, what would you say are the first things they should focus on to start pivoting or start adding that?
1: So I would say if I was a wedding photographer in that position, the first place I would look at adding more revenue would be probably adding printed products to my wedding business because you already have that established and I'd be looking at ways to add products to the wedding business that would give you a way to sort of see and feel these products without having to like have a huge outlay of cost in ordering samples. So, you know, you could start with people that are already paying you that you start creating some samples that you can actually just see the quality of different products. So I would start there. And then I feel like sometimes where it gets intimidating with products is that it's like, you feel like you have to be like offering everything it's like oh my goodness there's so much and it like it's kind of exciting because there's really cool things out there but sometimes it's like okay just narrow your focus put on some blinders and like just look at maybe like albums and something for the wall and keep it simple go to go with two vendors or maybe even one vendor that does both just so you can simplify those processes um So I would start with like maybe looking at how to add revenue with the wedding side of things. And then it would be a natural offshoot to have those products right there to look at to sort of create samples for your portrait side of things.
0: I think that's a really great start. And then in terms of actually like getting people to print, because maybe you have some insight on this, but so many people order the digitals. They only deliver the digitals. And I think offering an option for them to print is great. But do you have any tips on Actually, getting people to want to purchase those through you because at the end of the day, if you're giving away digitals and maybe you don't recommend doing that, people will go to Walmart or Walgreen and it's just like you're paying thousands of dollars for these photos to be taken when, in terms mm-hmm. of wedding, only to have the cheapest print that's going to fade and not last long. Like, how do you kind of convert them to actually purchasing through you versus going with someone else?
1: Great question. So, I actually have a really simple way of doing it. I incentivize them with a better price on the digitals if they purchase something tangible. So mm. it's a really easy conversation when we're on the phone is I lead with telling them that I'm a full service photographer and that I don't feel like my job as a professional is done. If everything just ends up staying on their computer or on their phone or on social media. And the truth is not everybody is, I mean, there is definitely always going to be people out there that are like, oh, I'm good with just the Instagram post. That's all I really wanted. And Essentially that's not my ideal client, but there are a lot more people out there. And especially because I'm doing portraits and, you know, not everybody has a wedding before they have a family, but a lot of people do. So they have that experience of having wedding photos that are sitting on their computer. So I can't tell you how, often it is that I have that conversation. And the next thing that they say is, oh yeah, our wedding photos are still like, we had the best of intentions to do something with them and they're still sitting on our computer. So it's like, for me, it's a really great segue to be like, well, I don't want that to happen to you. I've been doing this for a long time. This is my area of expertise. Let me help you to create something that's really going to stand the test of time and and create this heirloom album for you or something for the wall.
0: I love that. And I couldn't agree more with it. it's, There's nothing also more heartbreaking as a photographer to see them only live digitally. Like I love yeah. seeing them post about, oh, we printed them on the wall or they send me a photo like, oh my gosh, it's in our bedroom and all these. You just love that. And you don't always see that. And it's like, did they print it? What are they doing? Like, yeah. Totally see that, or the worst
1: feeling when you do see the Walgreens version of your photo, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, please take that down!" But you can't.
0: Yeah. So kind of, (laughs) so kind of talking a little bit more about the sessions now, moving into that. So when you do sessions, do you mind talking through a little bit about your process? Like, when they book you, are they paying just a session fee, and then they have to order prints and digitals and all that separately, or like, how do you? Do you mind walking through like a little bit of like your structure?
1: Sure. So. I'm going to share what I do because this works well for me and for me I'm always looking for something that's pretty simple. So my sort of mindset is I feel really confident that once someone gets in front of my camera and then they see the photos, they're going to want them. They're going to have to have them. So, you know, if if you're at that point where you're confident in your work and you feel like people are going to be like, "Oh yeah, it's really hard for me to say no to that," then I think my method, which is using a session fee. So I I, over the phone, I tell them that the session fee is to, and this is something I think a lot of people struggle with is like, they have the thought that a session fee is for nothing. It's just a session fee and they don't like that. These questions come up like, well, what do I get for the session fee? So this is how I explain it. The session fee is to reserve your spot on my calendar. It covers my time and talent. It covers the use of the studio or my travel time if I come to you. And nobody ever says anything in response to that other than like, okay, that makes sense. So what I like about that is it also, and and sometimes I will also say it also prevents people from no-showing or ghosting me. And, you know, I I think people understand that that's a, a very legitimate thing. So I also, I keep my session fee fairly low. It's only $250 and there's no obligation to purchase and again i think a big part of that comes from my confidence in my work so there's a lot of people that will say no you have to lead with a much higher amount so you're covering your costs and whatever i really haven't run into problems that people haven't gone on to to make more of a purchase i'll share that my at my average is 1500 per session so we start with the 250 and then my pricing is based on I have like three different tiers of digitals, and I am fully aware that when people look at my price list, the very first place that their eyes go is to the price of the digitals. I'm aware that, you know, people aren't calling a photographer because they want to have my fancy album and, you know, they're not thinking that they want the gallery wall. But when I show them with my sort of like, I call it the studio lookbook, so it's kind of like a digital catalog. And, I'll, and I say, I want to show you this so you have an idea of the type of things that I can do and the things that I offer, and so it just sort of whets their appetite for it. I guess would be the way to say it. That they're like, oh, maybe I do want this, and they're still probably not totally on board and thinking they want the digitals, but then have a custom collection. So you know, you can do packages, you can do whatever. I just say, like, I want you to be able to choose what you want. If I did packages and it had like a canvas and you hate canvases, like that's not going to work. That's how it's it's always been for me as a consumer of photography. Like I might see that there's value in this package, but I don't want what's in the package. So in a sense, it's sort of like a la carte in that sense, because they're not obligated to a package. Like they can buy, like basically the minimum to get the better price on the digitals is an uh, 11 by 14 framed and matted print or a canvas, and that's four fifty. dollars and then they get a better price on the digitals. So yeah, between the digitals that I would say 99% of the people are purchasing the digitals, and I'm kind of banking on that, that also lowers my cost of goods. So if we're talking about products, obviously there's a cost to the products. But when you're sort of padding that with them purchasing the digitals, it kind of comes out in the wash that they're they're getting something more in a sense, they're thinking that they're paying less because they're getting a better price on the digitals. But then at the same time, my cost of goods is sort of absorbed in the fact that I'm including the digital cost in that, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. Because, yeah, I mean, it makes, it totally makes sense because you it does cost you money, your business mm-hmm. money, to get these things printed. And so, yeah. I love that. That's a really like strategic structure and I think that's really cool. How do you how do you then communicate that? And like what when do you communicate this? So when they book, do they mm-hmm. know what all of this is gonna cost up front? Or do they book the session fee? And then you reveal kind of like their options once they've gone through the process of having their session with you? Like what does the timing look like with all of that?
1: Yeah, so I d I don't lead with sending them like a black and white price list. I lead with more visual digital things so i i think the first so i have like a nurture sequence when somebody fills out the contact form and that is i i want to share too that's part of my strategy with the lower session fee i don't put my prices on my website because i actually want my goal with my website is to have people filling out the contact form whether they're my ideal client or not because i could share like i don't do many sessions right now but maybe someday i'd like to and if there's people that are maybe looking at a lower price point and they're on my list of potential clients then if I decide to do that at some point, they're already captured through filling out the contact form. So I sort of use the desire for the getting to know the pricing as an incentive for them to fill out the contact form, just so I have their contact information. But then as far as like where that goes, I they get a series of automated emails and I also have a pop-up on my my website that is like if you're interested in pricing, like they get it that way. So I'm not always having to interact to give the pricing. And then it's a general pricing guide. So it's a it's a hidden page on my website that shows um, images of the products that I offer with a starting point. I've had people that end up spending close to 10,000, but most people when they're looking at my website are thinking like, okay, this, like this, I see quality. And I see that this is like a higher end vibe at this website but they're thinking probably more that they're gonna spend about a thousand dollars by looking at the initial pricing guide. And then if they're still interested at that point, then we start talking about my studio lookbook. I have a conversation with them. And then of course, they always get the full price list before the session. I don't don't wanna hide anything and I wanna make sure that they have all that information, but I don't really get into the nitty gritty about exactly what they're going to spend until after they see the images, because obviously there's that emotional component and and they have more of a desire to have them, you know, and, and there's different people. There's different people that want to go through every little tiny detail on the pricing ahead of time and others that are like, nope, this looks good. Let's just do it and we'll figure it out later. So that part you don't really have control over.
0: I love that. And did you say what your average was that most people will spend when they book sessions with you?
1: So my average is 1500 but I also have a baby plan that I offer, which I actually include my, an album, which is like in line with what you would think of as a wedding album. It's like on par with the quality of a wedding album. And I let them put different sessions into that album and sort of do for lack of a better word, like a layaway plan on the album and that gives them the better price on the digital. So as they start to make a payment towards the baby plan album, they get a better price on the digitals. So that sort of like solves two problems for them where they have the digitals right away that they can share with their friends and family. They can do what they want, or they can have me print more things for their home. Um, But essentially at the end of about two years, I will take all of the sessions that we've done together and design an album And I personally really like doing that. I enjoy it and I feel really good about like looking back at my, not only my work, but also like this family that has grown over two years. And it's like, even though it's not my child, I'm like, oh my gosh, they were so little and they've grown so much. And there's like something about that that I really enjoy doing. But again, going back to the business side of things, that keeps the cost of goods really low because I'm only creating one album, but they've been paying on it for over a year. So, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate that that also turns into a more year round stream of revenue than like a feast or famine. Uh, summer is like the it time that you have to be so, so busy. And then you kind of like recover in January or for family photographers, it's like the fall season is like, they're going like crazy and then kind of get that like breathing room in January where I feel like the way my business is structured, it's just a little bit more steady throughout the year I, of course, do get people that are interested in fall family photos, but I don't always take all of them because I'm pretty like happy with the steady stream of revenue that I get with the young families.
0: Totally. Because they're making payments throughout the year, mm-hmm. it it really gives you consistent payments. Yeah. Like You just kind of get them on retainer almost and yeah. have that steady revenue. I love that. That's so strategic on your part. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It It was not overnight that I came up with that. That's for sure. I was thinking strategically, but I was also thinking as a mom because when I started as a photographer, I didn't have a family, but then I had my first child. She's almost 10 now. So over the past decade, I've really thought about like what I want as a mom. And so that's how I designed my product line is based on what I want. And when I discuss it with new moms, they're like, oh yeah, I want that too. It's just like, it's a really Mm -hmm. easy conversation to have. And I feel like there's not a lot of people out there that are offering that. So it's a differentiator.
0: So Janine, it seems like you've really done a lot of work in your business to build a business that like really works for you. And how would you say that this could impact photographers if they were to start offering something like this, specifically wedding photographers, too, who might not be thinking about going into portraits? How do you think that this could really benefit them in their business?
1: So I think kind of like we talked about before, it's, it diversifies where your income is coming from. So I think we all as entrepreneurs are thinking about like multiple streams of income. So this is a great way for you to have another stream of income, but it's like those little trickles can really add up over time. So with the portraits, you know, One of the things that I've done that I don't hear a lot of people talking about is you hear about people doing the mini sessions. I, for the most part, stay away from those unless I'm doing it very, very strategically to um, break into a new market. But I do stack portrait sessions back to back, not all the time, but especially for maternity. like I can have one after the other come in. And if my average is $1,500 and I do Five, like you can do the math, it's like not that hard to make between five to ten thousand dollars in a Saturday, which could conceivably replace some of your weddings if you wanted to just like diversify or have multiple streams of income. So, I think that's something that a lot of people don't strategically think about, but it can also help you with the physical side of things because I know when I did do a few weddings. I was only in my 20s, but I was like, oh my goodness, my feet are killing me. My back is sore for like three days after this. So with portraits, you just have a little bit more of a relaxed weight. Like if you need to take a break, you can take a break. If you get sick, it's a lot easier to reschedule a day of portraits than it is a wedding. So, you know, it's something that I feel like can give you more of that freedom, which was part of my initial reason in getting into this creative business. Totally.
0: And I think, I think it takes a lot of time to build what you're building, but it seems like it really does pay off for someone who's maybe wondering like, what does the time look like to start building out something like this? I'm really curious. What does, what does your follow-up process look like? How much time are you spending with these um, people? So if you've got people, let's say you got 10 people booking on a Saturday, you know, each one's an hour, they're back to back. So it's 10 hours there. That's like, I mean, that's probably more than what you do, but hypothetically, then what does the follow-up process and how much time are you actually spending? in conversation with the sales to continue the process with them?
1: Yeah. So I will tell you initially when I started with doing portraits, I was doing the whole in-person sales thing, which the traditional way of doing that is with a pre-consultation, usually in person, or like a lot of people would say always in person, then doing the shoot, then doing a follow-up where you're doing a reveal of the images and then presenting the products and, And making suggestions on how the images would look in the products in their home some people even go to the home i was doing that for a while but i found that the process was cumbersome for me and i also found that it was cumbersome for my clients and i really felt this resistance for asking them to come in for multiple sessions for me my my studio is an amazing building but it's a little off the beaten track so it's like a, a little bit far some of my clients come from over an hour for the shoot so to have them come back again for another meeting just became cumbersome but the truth is it was the pandemic when everything had to go more towards online interaction that i was like okay well i'll just try it with some of these digital so i had created uh i've I referred to my studio lookbook so that's actually like a printed book I'll, I'll show you on this i know this is a podcast but it's an actual printed book that i used But I had a PDF of it because in order to send it off to get printed, I had to create a PDF at one point. So I just start, I put that into like a flip snack. So it looks like a digital magazine. And when I started sending that, I was like, this is actually working just as well as when I met with people in person. And we both like it that we're doing it from home instead of having to go and physically meet. So that is just where I, I moved to it. And then I, in the past, was not doing online galleries. I am now. I'll be fully transparent because of the rise in the watermark removal software. I'm rethinking that process and I'm probably going to do a same day reveal where I shoot and then show them the images in person to date. I don't feel like I've had anybody steal the images, but I know that that's coming. And so, you know, it's, it's been working for me. sending watermark galleries, but I do think there's some validity in thinking about potentially doing same day reveals. And then as far as what they decide to purchase, like they just look at that studio lookbook and then make their decision and then I send them an invoice. So some people have asked like about doing a, like an online checkout where they're like, oh, I want this album with this cover and this many pages. I feel like that's too much to leave in the hands of the customer for two reasons. One, as they start adding things, the total is going to go up 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 and then they're in California, I have to charge sales tax on tangible goods. So doing something that's like over a $1,000 and then adding the 10% sales tax is like I feel like that's a definite way that people would bounce from that web page, but when they're looking at the catalog and then they just send me an invoice, they have like a general idea of what they're going to spend. And maybe when they see the actual invoice, it's like, oof, that's a little bit higher. But it's very rare that I have someone come back and be like, oh, can you take that off? I don't really want to spend that much. They just kind of once they they send me that Im- that email, I feel like they've committed to their purchase.
0: So you're doing this all online via email versus?
1: I o- So I always, always offer in-person meetings and Zoom calls and coming to them. But nobody ever takes me up on it. So that kind of mm-hmm. tells me that they like the online interaction. So if they want me to, I'm always available because I do still consider myself a full service brand, but they just don't take me up on it and that's fine with me.
0: <laughs> and and since kind of pivoting from doing it in person to this, you have not seen a decrease. In fact, you've seen just like the same, if not maybe even better in terms of My sales? highest
1: sales have been since then. Wow. Um you know, I don't I don't know if that partly could be just who I had in front of my camera was more interested in spending. I don't really know that it's necessarily something I've done differently, but the truth is my highest sales have come since moving towards this online interaction.
0: Wow. That is seriously so cool, Janine. And I seriously am so thankful that you were on the the show today and just thank you for everything that you've shared. I know that so many people are going to benefit from just hearing about your business and hopefully being able to increase their own sales and business in terms of doing portrait photography. So thank you so much for sharing today. So just curious, just before we wrap up, I'd love to give you an opportunity to share. Is there anything like that you're currently working on in your business that you want to share with our listeners today?
1: Yeah, thank you. This has been really fun. I'm glad that we got to talk. But yeah, so I I built out over the summer, a group coaching program. And it's called Faucet, four months to four figures on autopilot. And I really debated about the name because I was like, Faucet, is that like a little too in your face? But as I was building my business and things like just organically grew, that is what I pictured in my head was that I was creating a money faucet that as like basically it is always sending me a steady trickle of leads. And then I just like have some levers that I pull that if I want to be busier or do more work or change things up a little bit, I just like pull the levers and then I can pretty easily increase the flow of clients and the money. So I am working with my first cohort right now. And then I'm, uh, actually thinking that January January would be a great time to open up for wedding photographers so I'm on Instagram at sky 9 studio it's with the numeral nine so sky number nine studio and then same thing for my website
0: Perfect. And I'll be sure to link that in the show notes for everyone okay. listening. But again, thank you so much for your time today. And for those of you listening to the podcast, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you could do a huge favor and share this with a friend or leave a review. And if you want to connect with me on Instagram, you can find me at Take your Shot Collective and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Take Your Shot podcast. If you found this podcast helpful or insightful, we would absolutely be honored if you could take a moment to leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening on. If you have any friends who you think would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. And lastly, we absolutely love connecting with you all on social media. You can find us using the links below in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.